We are continuing in our series, Soul Shift. This is week number four, which, believe it or not, uh, is halfway through our eight weeks of all church study together. Today, our scripture again comes from Mark chapter 10. We're still in Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. We'll be re- I'll be reading it. It'll be on the screen or Bibles there in the pews for you to follow along. If you need one, too, you can feel free to take that home. But it goes, the story goes like this. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him. And told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Faith becomes the microscope where we peer into things that are eternal. Things that a moment ago were invisible to us. Things that are responsible for the world as we know it. If we could turn something like black lights on and everything in that world would light up, it would pop your mind. The world is on fire. There is a reality that is so vast and so encompassing that it dwarfs this little reality by its size. As Pastor Steve said, um, we are in this series called Soul Shift. The little subtitle is The Measurement or a Measure of a Life Transformed. When Jesus gets into the midst of things, things change. And when we invite Jesus Christ into our hearts and into our lives, we just don't stay the same. It's by very nature, we begin to shift, we begin to change and change in specific ways. And so this series has been about looking at those specific ways in which we shift or which our souls change when Jesus messes with us, when Jesus gets in there and meddles and that transforming work really begins to to happen. Today, we're gonna look at the shift from the seen to the unseen, which takes us to the scripture of Jesus' healing of blind Bartimaeus. I gotta tell you, this has been a really weird week for me. On this schedule, and we, Pastor Steve and I, we schedule out the, you know, who's preaching on what days and the different subjects and the scriptures uh, that, that the subjects are based out of. We, we plan all of this ahead of time. 
And it just so happened to be this week when I was scheduled to speak on seen to unseen with blind Bartimaeus that our uncle, Amanda's aunt's husband, died. Um, his name was Adam. Adam was blind. Last Friday, Adam fell. He hit his head and created some internal bleeding in his brain. And Sunday night, he passed away. And this whole week, I'm sitting here working through the scripture and wrestling with the scripture, and I can't help but to think of, of Adam and the limitations and the, the life that he led because of, of his, his blindness. There were some fun stories that we shared at the funeral uh, during the week. Um, Adam met our Aunt Kathy at the donut shop. The donut shop was his one place that he could go to on a regular basis. He went there every single day. He had all of the steps mapped out and counted them as he walked and made turns to make his way to the donut shop where he would meet his friends and have his, his treat for the day. Um, it just so happened that one time on his way, there was a car parked in the alley and it threw him off, so he made a wrong turn. He ended up on the completely other side of town, and it was a miracle that he was able to, to make it back to his home. But we, we don't appreciate this sometimes, the, the limitations and the boundaries and uh, the, the different ways in which people that don't have their sight, they, that they have to, to, to live. Blind Bartimaeus was a man that no doubt had to also thrive on routine. He had to walk out in the same way, in the same pattern, the same familiarity, day in and day out. And there's a reason why the scripture describes him as a beggar, because in the first century, there was no other resolution for him. There was no structures in society to, to help him out. There was no seeing eye dog. There was no uh, cane with a red stripe. There were no special schools. There was no braille. He had no way to, to navigate his, his life in society, but to find that same spot day in and day out and completely depend upon the generosity of travelers going about their way. And he did this on a regular, but he thrived on the familiarity, the pattern, over and over again, day in and day out. And that's much the same way my Uncle Adam had to live his life as well. Blindness crops up a variety of different ways in, in the scriptures. We find Jesus encountering people like Bartimaeus who are struck with blindness. But blindness also has a deeper meaning that we, that we find in the scriptures. It becomes a metaphor for a, a level of understanding or, or knowing or, or, or wisdom. Jesus is trying to tell his opponents, the Pharisees, that, that they, they just don't get it. Like they, they're, they're ignorant in their way that they go about the faith and their understanding of God. And so he calls them blind guides. We know the story of Saul, who later became Paul. He was on the road to Damascus, and Jesus struck him with blindness as a, as a first step in order for him to be, uh, to see, to truly see in his soul and in his spirit. In the Hebrew word to know, it, it means to experience. You know because you've experienced it to 
be true. This is hard for us. We're used to looking up something on Wikipedia or Google. We're looking for informational knowledge. If we want to know something, we look it up and, and, and there's a reference or there's a source that gives us that particular information. But in the Old Testament, in the, in the Hebrew way of understanding it, it was completely different. It was, I know because I experience it as, tr- as true. This is where sight comes in. We use our sight in order to experience something. And so that's why blindness or sight was a metaphor for our level of understanding or maybe our, our level of, of ignorance. And let's be honest, if, if we're truly honest with ourselves, we, we really don't like sitting in that place of, of not knowing, right? Sometimes... We, we would rather have the bad answers to our questions rather than just stand in, in the not knowing, that, that place where we just are kind of left with our hanging questions. I, I've been a pastor for over 10 years, and I've sat with families who are waiting days, even weeks, for test results to come in from the doctor's office. And I've had people tell me, I just want to know like, even if it's the worst news, I just want to know so that then I know how to respond and, and how, I can, how I can move forward. That not knowing is this place of, 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 of stuckness where we just can't move forward. We, we just can't act because we sit in this place of, of not knowing. It's a, it's a very uncomfortable place to be in the not knowing. And oftentimes, we take that discomfort of not knowing, and we often, when we look at our faith, we look at the, the state of our spirits, when we look at our relationship with God, we, str- we struggle with the not knowing as well. We struggle with the idea that, that God might be beyond our capacity of, of true knowledge and, and understanding. Paul, in the book of Romans, in chapter 11, he talks about God's vastness and God's greatness and God's uh, majestic nature in a hymn that was often uh, uh, repeated amongst the early Christians. In Romans chapter 11, verse 33 to 36, it says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him to receive a gift in return? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. God is so great and so vast. His the, the height and the depth and the vastness of his, his entire being is, is so far beyond our comprehension. And we struggle with that. The, the word that um, comes up in, in, in Scripture but also um, throughout church history is, is the word mystery. That God contains mystery. That there's something about, that there's ultimately There's aspects of who God is, God's very nature, what God cares about, his his values, concern, that 
is unsearchable, like the scripture says. It is mystery. And we have a hard time sometimes sitting in the fog, in the, in the midst of that, of that mystery. So instead, what we tend to do in our own not knowing, in our own not understanding, is we build a structure of faith and life much in the same way that blind Bartimaeus did. That we, we, we venture out only so far to those places that are familiar to us. We venture out only so far of what we've come to know in a pattern, meticulous, routine way. And we create a small and familiar world. We don't really know exactly how to, to venture out beyond that. And so we create pat answers or bumper sticker solutions to faith. We don't go beyond what we can tweet. We create a construct in a faith that is patterned and familiar, just like blind Bartimaeus. I have a friend who um, lost a child, and he was a pastor at the time and really, really struggled in being a pastor while grieving at the same time. And he and his wife were just sort of in the midst of it, and a lot of it didn't make sense for them. And they spoke at a pastor's conference, over a 1,000 people, pastors, church leaders, and the conference was about healing, and he and his wife bravely got up on that stage, and they shared their story about how they were grieving at the loss of their child and how the church was coming alongside them. And they didn't say that they had overcome or, or gotten through it. They were still in the midst of it, but that somehow it helped that, that the church was there with them. It's a powerful story. After that, there was a, a young pastor that came up, and he had the best of intentions, and they all do. <laughs> and he came up to my friend, and he said, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry of what happened. You know, I, I can relate to what you went through. You know, my wife had complications with our second child. And my, my friend said, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Did, did you lose a child? And, oh, no, everything was fine, but you know, I, I can really resonate with, with what you're feeling. And my, I could sense my friend was just holding back his, you know, what, what he wanted to say <laughs> next. He was trying to help, and he didn't know what to say, so he just said anything. Have we, have we ever done that before? <laughs> We don't know what to do. We don't know what to say. We don't know what the right thing is, so we just do anything. <laughs> and we have good intentions in our heart, but we just, and we just sort of manufacture it or make it up. And I've heard so many things done and said in the midst of these situations that there's just a lot of mystery and we just don't have all of the answers, and yet people kind of feel the need to, to say something. I've heard pastors, church leaders tell a grieving family, well, you know, God just needed another flower in his garden. I've heard half-truths that aren't even in the Bible, like God only helps those who help themselves. Or abstracts, like everything happens for a reason. We get uncomfortable with the not knowing. We get uncomfortable with the mystery, and it, because we just can't deal with the not knowing, we settle 
for that small and predictable and familiar way of understanding. But God, as we grow, as as Christ gets in there, we begin to make a shift from taking what is just in front of our eyes, taking that familiar place, that familiar faith, taking that predictable understanding and moving to the unseen, moving to the mystery, moving to a posture and a place where instead of standing on the pat answers, we, are, we just can't wait to discover more of what God is going to reveal to us. This story of blind Bartimaeus happened outside of Jericho. And if you've read your Bible, you, you know the city of Jericho. And the people in that day, they knew that name Jericho. Actually, this wasn't the real Jericho that we read about in the book of Joshua. It was a fake Jericho that Herod the Great had set up for himself as a winter palace. But regardless, people knew that name. Something happened in the city of Jericho. Something really weird, if you actually think about it. In Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, God's people are moving along. And they come across a formidable opponent with tall, impenetrable walls. How are we going to move past this city? It says, now Jericho was shut up inside and out because of the Israelites. No one came out and no one went in. The Lord said to Joshua, see, I have handed Jericho over to you along with its kings and sol- king and soldiers. You shall march around the city all the warriors circling the city once. Thus you shall do for six days with seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Now this is where it gets really strange. When on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, the priests blowing the trumpets. When, when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city will fall down flat, and all the people shall charge straight ahead. Isn't that weird? <laughs> Where is the explanation here? Where is the carefully crafted three-point sermon with action items that start with all the same letter because how else would you memorize it? (laughs) Where is the bumper sticker? Where is the tweetable resolution? It's just God. (laughs) It's so wild and so crazy and so strange and so outside our human nature and capacity. It's just It's just God. God showed up in that place, and I have no other explanation. That was the city, and that was the name that people knew when they lived in that place. And so here's Bartimaeus. He's sitting on the side of the road, living his routine, familiar life. And he hears a commotion. And he learns that it's Jesus of Nazareth. And he shouts out. He says something that no one else has said before. He says, son of David, have mercy on me. It wasn't said before, but it would be when Jesus goes on to enter into the city of Jerusalem. 
Son of David, have mercy on me. And the people around him say, be quiet. They didn't want some undignified blind beggar bothering this rabbi. But he shouts all the louder, annoying as that is. He shouts all the louder, and Jesus pays attention, and he says, bring him over to me. And he springs up, he throws his cloak off, and he makes his way to Jesus, and Jesus says, what do you want me to do? And he says, teacher, rabbi, I want to see. I want to see. And here's where it gets really weird. Jesus says, go, your faith has made you well. And then he was healed. Your faith has made you well. There's something that Jesus is validating within Bartimaeus there. There's something that Bartimaeus understood. There was something that he knew. There was something that Bartimaeus saw that the others didn't see. And it set in motion the divine work of Jesus Christ in that moment. You know, sometimes we can't help but to operate our lives out of the common idiom. Um, Well, I'll believe it when I see it. You ever said that? Oh, I'll believe it when I see it. Right? When someone says, you know, the Browns are going to win the Super Bowl. Oh, we're back to our Browns jokes, you know. Can't help it. It's just so easy. I'll believe it when I see it. It's a, it's a statement of skepticism, of, of doubt, right? I'll believe it when I see it. But here, what, what Bartimaeus and what, what Jesus is revealing in this story is that actually the opposite is true. Not, I'll believe it when I see it, but I will see it when I believe it. I'll see it when I believe it. Have you ever known people that lived this kind of faith? Where, where you, you look at them and you say, you know, they, they just have this wisdom and this knowledge and this great faith that I wish I, wish I had that. Have you ever, do you know people like that? You may know people, I know people like that in this church. I have some mentors, people that I really look up for, look up to, and they, and they have this wisdom and this knowledge and this understanding and this, this great faith. I mean, here's what, I understood, what I've come to understand about these people, that it's not so much about what they know. It's not so much about what they understand. It's not so much about what they actually see or believe. It's that they just know how to to look. They know how to look. Did you notice that Bartimaeus was stuck in the routine, familiar pattern of life and of faith? And the first thing that Jesus says to him before he was healed was, go. Go go where? Should I retrace my steps that I've counted along the way back to where I sleep? No. Break out of that rhythm. Break out of that routine. Break out of that familiar understanding of faith. I'm taking you somewhere else. I'm taking you to to a new place. And here's the cool thing, that the scripture tells us that that he regained his sight, and then what did the man do? 
and he followed Jesus on the way. This man was able to follow Jesus because of his sight. See, as much as God gives us sight in order to see, God also gives us spiritual eyes so that we can seek, so that we can look, so that we can discover, so that we can stand in a posture of humility and say, what are you gonna do today, God? I can't wait to find out. And break out of the familiar pattern, routine, that we've made of our faith in our life because it's just too scary to go anywhere else. I'm wondering, do you find yourself having a a seeking or searching heart? Or have we relied too heavily on the bumper sticker kind of faith? Do we place ourselves in a, in a, in a position, a, a heart position, where we are genuinely wanting to see what God does in our midst. Let me ask you, when's the last time God surprised you? When's the last time we've been filled with awe and with wonder because something happened that we just didn't see coming? That is what the shift looks like. It's moving away from the controllable and familiar and patterned style of understanding and faith to be open to seeking God in all different kinds of places, in all different kinds of encounters, all different kinds of relationships. And so the question is, well, what do you see? What do you know? It's not ramping up our, 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 our level of, of, of belief or, or doing better things for God, but to have that, that searching and that seeking heart, looking for Jesus and following him wherever he would go. One of my favorite uh, authors, one of I consider a mentor because I love reading his works, he's a 17th century monk, so I don't interact with him, but <laughs> his name is Brother Lawrence. And Brother Lawrence was known by those around him to see things that other people didn't see. He was actually known to be a worshiper in the midst of doing dishes. And if you've heard my disdain for doing dishes, that is a miracle, friends. Okay? Here's what he says. He says, the first benefit of the soul, the first benefit the soul receives from the presence of God is that faith becomes more alive and more active in every occasion of our life particularly in our times of need, since it readily obtains grace for us in our temptations and in our unavoidable dealings with our fellow men. For the soul, accustomed by this exercise to rely on faith by a simple act of recollection, sees and feels God present. You could say that doing this enables the soul to approach the state of the blessed The more it advances, the more alive its faith becomes. And finally, it becomes so penetrating that the soul can almost say, I no longer believe since I see and experience. That's the kind of shift that I want in my own heart, in my own life. 
to not rest on the simple, small patterns that I've made for myself and to be open to something new that God might have for my heart, for my soul. And so I wonder if you're, if you're feeling like you've also been in sort of that rut, um, I'm wondering if you feel the need to lead out on faith instead of just what we have in plain sight. I would just invite you this week, every day as you get up out of bed, to just pray a prayer. It's a simple prayer. You can memorize it. And it's the prayer that Bartimaeus you just pray rabbi or teacher, and it's important to, to name Jesus as that in this prayer because it, it, it places you in, in a position where you're ready to learn. Teacher, I want to see. Teacher, I want to see today. I don't know, I don't know what might happen. I'd be curious to see. Be curious to see what, what you experience. And um, if you're anything like, like I, I, I've seen how this works, some of you might just say, oh, I looked at this tree and God spoke to me. And you're like, some of, out of the ordinary things. But then you might come back and say, well, you wouldn't believe what happened. <laughs> I don't have any explanation. It's, it's just God. <laughs> it's just God. Would you pray that prayer? Would you make that prayer um, something that your soul would cry out? Would you become a seeking person? And that's what Jesus gave you eyes for. God revealed his love in Jesus Christ. And just like blind Bartimaeus, and we could sing in the song Amazing Grace, I once was blind, but now I see. And that revelation means everything. But we're not meant to stay in that place either. Because Jesus is saying, well, I'm, I'm heading to Jerusalem. And when we approach the Easter season, we're gonna head there too. Can we follow where Jesus goes with that seeking heart and that seeking spirit? W would you stand with me? I wanna pray for you. I'd like to pray for you. Holy God, I lift up each person here, each soul. And for those of us, Lord, that have been stuck, those of us who have just leaned on the same familiar pattern, Lord, I pray that you would challenge us to break away Lord, that as you bring healing to our eyesight, our spiritual eyesight, we then would have the boldness and the courage to go follow you wherever that might lead. And Lord, that is scary. It's unknown territory for us. It's unfamiliar waters. But we're gonna lead out on faith. And we're gonna put our trust in you. And while we, we may not be in control, you certainly are. Lord, help us to see and to take that step in following you. We pray this in the strong and powerful name of Jesus.
Amen. And so people of God, you have the Holy Spirit within you. As you go out these doors, you go into an unknown world, uncharted territory, lead out on faith. Let your spiritual eyes guide you as you follow Jesus. Go in his name and in his peace. Amen.